everyone and welcome to Race Time Radio Live tonight on Sirius FM Channel 167 Canada Talks as well live on racetimeradio.com as it has been for I don't know maybe 15 years or so we've been online as well uh kind of new on YouTube on Race Time Radio TV on YouTube all live so welcome to everybody tonight here on Race Time Radio, we got Junior in the studio, and a big, big weekend for you, Junior. You were down at the APC Banquet. How did that go? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, uh, you know, I, I've probably been to, I'm going to say, four APC Banquets. Um, <laughs> they've, they've done a great job with, with every single one of them. Um, I said to Sue, I think this is Joe's first APC banquet. Nope. nope. Uh, I'm a little bit wrong on that one. Yeah, yeah, I've been to, uh, I think it's my fourth. But And then I've been to a handful of Delaware banquets as well. And, and uh, really cool how they did it this year, of course, with the ownership group uh, of Delaware Speedway, with Luke Ramsey being involved in that, uh, and then being involved in the APC series as well. Um, really cool that they did it Friday night and Saturday night. Friday night, of course, was the Delaware where, where uh, uh, you know the Delaware champions got crowned and um, they spun a bunch of the uh, a bunch of the decorations around and, and voila it was the <laughs> APC banquet yeah um, uh, they did a wonderful job with it um, uh, you can't say enough about the uh, the four point staff um, you know the catering was phenomenal the uh, the party was great and the the liquor was flowing that's for sure <laughs> you look pretty dapper in that blue suit there kid hey the you ridge, look pretty the good. ridgeline tie was a hit yeah the the, yeah, uh, yeah, the ridgeline the... kelly green tie yeah yeah um it was definitely a hit it might have been ugly but it it was definitely uh it was it was definitely a hit so <laughs> you were there with uh driver of the 17 car the ridgeline car Josh Stoddy. Prime time, Josh Study. Um, that is so good year for Josh behind the wheel of that seventeen car. Do you? Uh, the whole team had a good year. Yeah, great year. Uh, definitely Study's best year uh, in in pro late model racing. And you know, we had a good chat about it uh, uh, on on the way home uh, on the phone. You know, just uh, banquets over now. You know, it's time to uh, focus on next year. And and uh, you know, we kind of reflected back on the year and. Uh, we did it lots throughout the year as well, just talking about how good of a role we went on. And, and uh, uh, Josh pointed out the fact that, uh, you know, the first three races out of the box, um, aside from Delaware, um, you know, we, we were P5, P5, P5. Mm-hmm. And and Josh himself said, you know, two years ago, that that was like a victory for him yeah. to get in the top five of an yeah, APC yeah. race. and. And, uh, you know, so it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to, uh, to see the year, um, you know, and, and all the hard work that those guys have put in, um, you know, come to fruition and, and, uh, you know, picking up that big win at Sauble, uh, they couldn't have scripted it any better. Uh, a lot of people don't realize how much went into that event, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. that, that entire weekend really on the MEI side, um, and, and on the, the Stoddy Motorsport side, um, Ridgeline Lubricants had like 210 people at the, at the race. A third of the grandstand. Um, yeah. The, they, uh, <laughs> they handed out like 250 or 300, uh, Ridgeline shirts. So there was green shirts everywhere in the grandstand. Nice. Um, they gave away a bike to a young kid. They, um, did so much stuff, uh, leading up to it. 
Um, and, uh, you know, they had a bunch of people from Canadian Flat Roofing and uh, a couple of his other partners um, actually at the event as well. And and uh, when they dropped that checkered flag in the 17, it was in victory lane for the, for his first APC win oh, in front yeah. of all those people, his hometown, his home crowd. Um, it was like somebody lit a fire under Josh Stoddy's butt, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, he, you know, you get that, you get out from underneath that, uh, um, that rock, if you will. And, uh, you know, you, you, you kind of stretch the wings and, and, uh, you know, you realize that you can do it. You know, you get the monkey off the back or however you want to put it. Yeah. Um, you get that forward momentum. You realize that you can do it. The team realizes they can do it. Uh, the momentum just goes through the, through the roof. And, and after that, you know, you look at some of the runs that he had. Um, you know, of course, got into it a little bit with, with Kyle Steckley and the, the 22 team, um, throughout the end portion of the you're year. gonna. Oh, you're absolutely. Gonna. If you're up gonna front, run competitive, hey, run somebody's either gonna get into you and create hard feelings that way, 100%. or you're gonna get into somebody and Without create a question. It. And I'm not throwing any darts at, at no. Kyle Steckley whatsoever. No, no. But they got into it, you know, and, and there was a little bit of a rivalry forming, um, which, you know, quashed itself at Sobble and, um, and, you know, you look at the, the run, Delaware has notoriously been very difficult for Josh Stoddy. And, uh, if that race was 109 laps instead of 100, I think Josh Stoddy would have won that race, uh, uh, the, on Great Canadian Weekend. He was coming. Um, the car was coming. So really, when you look at the, the momentum that, the, that, that Josh and, and McCall and all those guys have, uh, formed, um, it, it's really cool heading into next year because, uh, they're not thinking, you know, they're not going in thinking maybe we can get a top five in the points. They're going in thinking we can win the championship next year. And, well, yeah. And, uh, he finished third this yep. year. He's only Fourth. got two more, oh, uh, three more spots than to go up. Yep. Did they start last night with 10th place because yep. they honored the top 10? Start with 10th place, work their way up to the top. And what was J.R. Fitzpatrick like by the time they got to him? Hey, it was, J.R. was, uh, He's like a new man. He, he, you know, I think everybody, everybody, uh, kind of sees it. Um, if J.R. Fitzpatrick had the, the maturity that he has now when he ran Cascar, yeah, yeah, my God, the guy would be in cup. And it, he says the same thing, you know, like he's he, Canada's youngest national champion. Yeah, 100%. In and, 2006, he won the Cascar Super Series championship. Yep. And a lot of people forget about that. Yep. And you can't. You can't. He is Canada's youngest national champion. Then NASCAR came in and bought NASCAR and created the NASCAR Pinty Series. Back then it was the NASCAR Canadian Tire Series. But they didn't carry any of the history through from NASCAR. Different. So, oh, well, different. Different. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I know it's not NASCAR history. It was NASCAR history. But that NASCAR history was ours. Yeah. Was the Canadian part of it, yeah. and they totally left that part out. How many NASCAR Pindies uh, banquets have you been to, and you've been involved with that for a whole pile of years? Yep, zero. Yeah, zero. Like it all happens down south. The NASCAR six one happens together wherever wherever it is. NASCAR. Hey, is if the NASCAR Pindy series is our national tour. Yeah. Be damned if they don't celebrate the championship like APC does, like the Parts for Tours does, or pardon me, the Pro Stock Tour, the East Coast International Pro Stock Tour. They should be celebrating that national championship here in Canada and then go do whatever you want with it. Take it down south. Do what you want down there. 
but celebrate the damn thing in Canada first. If it's a Canadian series, it should be celebrated on Canadian soil. TSN should be there. We should be there. Uh, stickers and scuffs should be there. Uh, it, you name it, should be there. It's our Canadian National Series. The day they get all that stuff figured out, Junior, is the day Canada will have a National Series that's a Canadian National Series. How do you like that? There you go. I went off right off the bat tonight. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, the, the and everybody watching or listening is agreeing with that. A banquet is a banquet, though. You look at the size of the banquet that they have down there in the event that they have. It's a week-long event for the all the NASCAR yeah. touring divisions. Yeah. you got to remember, the Penny NASCAR Series Canada. is not cup. The, the Penny Series is it not cup. It is in Canada. No, it's not. Well, I know it's not right now, but it could be. And it's not. It, it can't be. It could be. It can't be. There is full-time drivers in this series. NASCAR would never there allow that. There is full-time uh, business. competitors. That's bad business. No, it's not. It is. It's not. Not if it wants to be Canada's national series. It is Canada's national series. It isn't. It's the U.S. fifth ranked, and it gets mixed in. It gets 15 minutes of fame from what I've seen on but that's, online. That's all, that's all the, the ARCA series gets. That's all the truck series gets. That's okay. That's all the Xfinity That's okay. I get. get that. They've got a million American series. I get that. Yeah, but the but hierarchy of NASCAR is... The Canadian the, national tour. Yeah. Well... What what APC? They do. They go. What, what APC? are you saying? They, they race from Edmonton to Newfoundland. Yeah, they are Canada's national tour. How does a banquet change that? Well, because you celebrate it. You celebrate the year, just like they you do guys on the did front last night at Delaware Speedway. Da, da. And they're and, celebrating the last race. And of then the, year. the champion gets to go down and celebrate with all the other touring no, champions. No, no, do it right. Do it here in Canada. Then take but, your road show and do whatever you, you want. You would have with to. It. Somebody else would have to buy it and and drop Why? the name NASCAR. Why? Why? Because NASCAR is not going to create another national entity that that it, competes against it. the Cup Series. They've already done it. Well, they've already uh, bought Canada's national tour, and and they have they well, have grouped it into all it of right. the touring. No, no, divisions. they grouped it in with all the weekly stuff. No, they in didn't. the United no, States. No, they grouped it in with all the other national tours. Bah. NASCAR bah. NASCAR also owns a tour in Mexico. NASCAR also owns a tour in Euro. Okay. And they they yeah. both support and and they both have a banquet in and North Carolina with the NASCAR Baby sure. Series. I'm not saying don't do that. Go ahead and do it, but yeah. just celebrate it here in Canada before you do it. That's all. Well, like, it's not like it's not celebrated like it was a at this time who, of the, who the year. The champion was the champion is a, is a it doesn't matter crowned at Delaware Speedway. No, it should be celebrated in Canada. And I do believe if they want an ounce of respectability, they should adopt part of the the, the history, the history of the Canadian uh, for, from what Tony Novotny put together but that, in Cascar. And that, I think J.R. Fitzpatrick would be recognized for that as Canada's youngest national tour but uh, he, champ. He didn't he didn't win the NASCAR Pinty series or the NASCAR Canadian Tire series. No, he won something better than that because there was way more cars back in Cascar's day. But it was ran completely different. Oh, I'll give you it that. Was, it was under I'll a complete, give you that. It was under a completely different banner. It was completely. under a completely different set of circumstances. It wasn't NASCAR at all. So I, I mean, still say they should celebrate Canada's national tour on Canadian soil. 
in Toronto, in I don't care, pick a different city. Uh, they raced in uh, Newfoundland one year, make it out in St. John's. Yeah. St. John's would open their arms and welcome the championship night. So would they in Edmonton. So would they in Saskatoon. So would we in Ontario. And how about Quebec? How about Quebec? They'd open their arm. RDS would have it on live. You can guarantee it. Every time those guys put a helmet on in the province of Quebec, yeah. oh, my God, it's live on RDS. Yeah, yeah TSN's uh, I, I don't, French side, but that's I, just my rant for the night. Yeah, I, I don't think that it really changes. Well, I got the, one more rant that I got to do, but we'll get to it in yeah. hour number two or something like that. Let me tell everybody who we got coming on the show tonight. How's that? Be a good idea? Yeah. Uh, we got Jacob Dexter coming on the show tonight. He is the Action Sprint Tour champion. Uh, uh, Jacob, defending champion of my dad. We're going to hear from Jay Dykstra here tonight. We'll also hear from Nick Sheridan. Yeah, Nick over on the dirt side. He wrapped up the season with a win. A couple of them, I do believe. And he's got, uh, we'll take a look back at 2022. He's a busy cat. He ran 360 dirt. He ran crate sprint. Um, and he's got big plans. We'll see if we can needle him and find out what those plans are going ahead into 2023, now that we're in the off season, The Orange Cone. Do you follow The Orange Cone on Twitter? If you don't, trust me, you need to. He is funny. Um, have a look. Just at The Orange Cone on Twitter. If you're listening in and you don't know who the hell I'm talking about, Check out The Orange Cone on Twitter. Follow him and stay tuned. Uh, The Orange Cone is going to join us tonight. It's been a long time since we had Cone back on the show. And we're going to do it tonight. Always good for a chuckle. Always good for some informative information as well. Because The Orange Cone, as you know, if you've been to a Speedway, you've seen The Orange Cone. And he is at pretty well every Speedway. At least he's got a zombie on every Speedway. Put it that way. And we'll check in with the Orange Cone. Then I thought, opportune time. At this time of the year, end of season, I know a lot of tracks and series are setting up and getting ready to go for 2023. Work begins probably before the final race of the year. Looking into next year, we had tire troubles this year. Didn't matter what manufacturer you had. Uh, And a good friend of Race Time Radio is Nick Moncher. He is now... The marketing director world for Who's Your Tire? And we got Nick coming on the show. He just got that job a little better than a month, month and a half ago. We didn't needle him too hard when we first got Nick on the show because he was brand new. But now, now, Nick has got his feet wet. I would think Junior will be able to ask him some of those hard questions that sounded like a fluff interview the last time. Well, we'd be able to dig in with old Nicky Boy this time around. He is a great guy, and he'll tell you straight. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, uh, you know the the tire issues have been going on since uh, you know basically mid COVID, and and uh, uh, you know all the different uh, tire manufacturers and and different sanctioning bodies have had to you know cancel races and change races and you know change the formats of races races that sometimes allowed for a four tire change you know, on the short track level had to drop to two tires or even no tires. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's difficult. It's not, it's not just Hoosier. It's not just American racer. It's, it's everybody. Yep. Um, and, uh, uh, definitely, uh, will be interesting to, uh, to hear, you know, Nick Motcher. I know that, that 
Hoosier continues to uh, send out releases and and kind of updates on where the industry's at, um, and uh, you know it's it, it, they're catching up, and I, I think that uh, everybody could see that towards the end of the year, and and uh, you know hopefully they continue to do that, and and uh, it will be awesome to catch up with them. Yes, absolutely. So that's who we got coming at you tonight, all live tonight on Race Time Radio. But first. Got to pay a couple bills. We are going to hit this commercial break. And when we come back, a night with, well, not night, but we're going to start seeing the night out with a uh, dirt sprint champion. And his name is Jacob Dextra. He's going to join us all live right here on Race Time Radio. Don't you move a muscle. We will be back. Going to be a great two hours. Come on, wake up. I got a little money coming my way We gotta get out of here If you find me some cigarettes Little whiskey and me From coast to coast, 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 to coast You're listening to Canada Talks. to Canada Talks Now, a flashback in Canadian music history Here's Eric Elper Tom Cochran's most famous song, Life of the Highway Was a number one hit in Canada And it hit the top ten in the Billboard charts back in 1992 It was written after Tom's famine relief work overseas took place He was so taken with what was happening there He wrote it as a pick-me-up to himself After watching the devastation That's why he mentioned places in the song Like Khyber Pass Along with his hometown of Vancouver Canadian Sports Trivia. Here's Joe Thistle. During the 2000 NBA All-Star festivities, the Toronto Raptors' Vince Carter exploded to win the dunk contest with a series of moves including a through-the-leg slam. Carter's air show was a defining moment for basketball in Canada, putting the Raptors and the entire country on the map. A championship now in the books, Canada has become a hotbed for NBA talent, and it was Vince Carter flying through the air that started it all. Canadian Sports Trivia. Even though Napa is a nationally known name, nearly all of our stores are built from the ground up by local owners and families. People you might call neighbors will be here, there, and everywhere. Doing what neighbors do to keep their communities moving forward. You stop by a Napa Auto Parts store, you can count on Napa know-how. Tonight's Race Time Radio is brought to you by Napa Auto Parts Stores, New Glasgow, Andy Ganesh, and Port Hawkesbury, Nova Scotia. You can count on Napa know-how. AP Race Fuels, the worldwide leader in race fuel technology. Now, a flashback in Canadian music history. Here's Eric Elper. Rush holds a special place in our hearts and in the record books. They've sold more than 40 million copies around the world. They have a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and officers of the Order of Canada. And they've released 24 gold records and 14 platinum albums, placing them fifth for the most consecutive gold or platinum studio albums by any rock band. From the high banks of Daytona, we cover it all. Ooh, that's going to leave a mark. And now, back to the Joes. Hey, shake it back, Cal. Woo, shake it back. Here on Race Time Radio. And welcome back, everybody, to Race Time Radio. All live tonight on Sirius XM Channel 167 Canada Talks, as well on RacetimeRadio.com and on our kind of new 
YouTube page at Racetime Radio TV. Check it out and uh, join us each and every Sunday night at 7 o'clock, all the way through the off season, all the way through next season. You get it. We're going to go all the way through. Let's get to the hotline, shall we? And it's my great pleasure to welcome in a guy that we've had on this show a couple times over the last year, and uh, we got him back. He is the defending champion in that action sprint tour. His name is Jacob Dykstra. What's going on there, Jay Dykstra? What's going on? Uh, Not much, man. We're just uh, out here doing some work in the race shop a little bit before we go to Charlotte. Ah, I was going to say, I knew you weren't going to hit the couch yet. Uh, you, you keep the candle burning at both ends. If it isn't Charlotte, it's going to be the, another race. You guys don't have much time to turn that machine around each and every time, do you? No, not really. Uh, we finished the season off with last weekend with the Action Sprint Tour, and then uh, we hit uh, a couple other races in the States, and now uh, we have a couple weeks off, and we're going to go to Charlotte, North Carolina, and race the World Final. So, uh, speaking of a finals, you won a final up here, did you not? Uh, well, there was we won um, at Humberstone the first night with uh, with a tie with my same time. Um, so, yep, Jacob, you're in cell hell. Put your hand out the window. Jacob, mm-hmm. there you go. You're in the <laughs> cell. Yeah, hell. your cell you, was breaking up a little bit yeah, there. Uh, we lost about the last 20 seconds of what you said, so you're going to have to repeat yourself, brother. Uh, well, we won the first night of the fall uh, Nationals over at Humberstone Speedway. We won the first one, and then uh, had to fight through the back on the second night, and uh, still finished pretty good. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. All in all, score the 2022 race season for Dykstra Motorsports. How was it? Oh, it was really good. Uh, excellent, actually. We uh, joined up with a new team this year, and we struggled a little bit at the beginning just uh, with new cars, new motors, and uh, trying to get a good setup with our 360 cars, and just kind of struggled a lot through the year, but we never slowed down at all. We Our team kept our motivation up there and uh, kept grinding away, and uh, we, uh, and then in the crate car, we, uh, we already had our setups pretty much set from the year before, and we just kind of kept going with what we had and uh, upgraded from there. So, and that's the idea, right? You learn something again this year. As a champion, you keep learning. And that can't be good news for the competition. If they're sitting on their laurels, you're going to leave them further in the dust. Yeah, we never stop working. We're in the race shop every single night. And, uh, yeah, if it wasn't for my one crew guy, Seth, I wouldn't be where I am. He's got the most motivation out of all of us, and he uh, inspires all of us to work harder. Where is home? What is hometown for Jacob Dykstra? Port Colburn. Port Colburn. Cool. Uh, that's a hotbed, too, down that way, isn't it? Yeah, there's a couple of race car drivers come out of Port Colburn. There's uh, three of us down here and a couple from just not too far out. And you got Humberstone right around the corner from our house, and uh, it's really close. Jacob, uh, talk a little bit about the, uh, the the youth movement, if you will. You're you're still a young guy, and and uh, uh, you know you're obviously a champion, so you're you, you can't be called just the kid anymore, right? It's a, a multi-time winner and champion. Um, but but talk a little bit about the the youth movement and the competition level uh, through that. Obviously, there's a there's a ton of seasoned veterans, if you will, in in the 360 class. Um, the the 
the crate class is relatively new uh, still, right? It's only been a few years out of the box. Five years. Yeah, it, it, but but talk about the, the level of competition of all these new guys coming in um, and, and continually, continuing to push that bar forward because it seems like there's, uh, there's a tremendous amount of youth um, uh, just from being in the pit area at Oshweekin during the, the Pinty's weekend. Um, there's a lot of young guys walking around with fire suits on that are, that are piloting uh, various different styles of sprint car. Yeah, in the crate division, there's a lot of young guys. And uh, if you look at the points, I think the top five are all really young. Um, and, uh, yes, they're really good. Some of them come out of different variety of racing. Uh, from go-karts. Um, there's a guy that never raced last year. He raced the year before, Dale. Um, he he uh, went to California last year and went and raced a couple uh, races with a wingless 360 and came back and was really competitive, and he's 17 years old. Um, so there's a lot of good and young competition in, in the crates, and so in the 360s, you got Nick Sheridan, you got uh, Liam Martin, um, and we're all roughly around the same age, and, uh, and we're all traveling as much as we can trying to win races and do the best we can i've always wondered and and to be honest with you i've I've never you know been a part of a crew or or really even spent you know it's amazing what you pick up when you spend the day uh the race day with a team you know like if you if you go to the racetrack with one specific team it's amazing what you can pick up and what you can see and how the team kind of interacts with other teams and and how the day kind of transpires for the team. Um, if you show up to the racetrack and just sit in the grandstands and watch the races and then go home, you don't really see the, the interaction between the teams and, and, and that sort of thing. I've never done that for a dirt team. You know, like I've, I've, right. I've never sat, you know, not sat in the hauler and just been in the way, but I've never been a part of the <laughs> team, uh, you know, at, at – the sprint car level, but I, I equate the sprint car level to the late model level on asphalt, right? Like I kind of, that's the way that my mind works. It's just, the, it's the top level of, of, you know, dirt track racing asphalt's the top level or, or late model is the, the top level of, of, you know, asphalt racing on the regional level. Is there a whole lot of, of, you know, looking at the other guy across the pits and seeing what they're doing or, or it, like, uh, in asphalt, it's it's amazing because the guys, you know, it's like they get out of the car, they take the helmet off, and the first thing they're doing is they're looking at the guy beside them and seeing what they're doing, right? Like, it's, <laughs> it's like a normal thing to spy on the guy yeah. in, in the open, but, you know, look at, at his right rear spring or, or you know, really scope out what's happening, uh, you know, uh, uh, under that right front when they take the wheel off or whatever. Is there a lot of that on the dirt side or, or is there less of that? Um, I'd say a little less, just more because people have different packages for different things, and a lot of guys have their own way of doing things. I know my way is probably different from every other driver. We do things a little different than everybody, and you can't just look at one thing and be like, oh, I'm going to try that, because it's not going to work for everybody. Um, I have a different driving style than probably most people in the pits. Um, We are really aggressive. And they are really intuitive, too. They take that 200-pound left front spring that is normally yellow, and they color-code it to their own (laughs) color. So you don't know what it is that's going underneath there. But, Jacob, do you guys have spotters? Because I know when you make moves, you make moves in an awful hurry. I don't know if there'd be a spotter out there that could be able to keep up with you guys. (laughs) Um, Well, well, for one, we're not even allowed to have them. But uh, really... 
all it is is my dad or my uh, all my crew guys they watch the race and uh, we all decide of afterwards if it was the right decision I made and maybe if the same situation came up for next time to maybe do it a different way um, or if a hole opened and I didn't take it all stuff like that they kind of tell you after the races mostly because Franco racing is so high paced things happen so fast there's not really enough time to, for someone to even say hey there's a hole going to open and you never know where they're going to be or what they're going to do next because they're on dirt you could slide a long way or someone can turn down and get on the brakes you just never know you know back in the day just before i bought sobble speedway back uh, before 1994 i was a big fan at sobble speedway um and i would go there and i'd watch all the guys uh you know all the greats ron lipsky and and uh, Andy Schmidt and Chuck Lawler and all those guys. But wheel in there, the number two car, Tim Ellis. Now, uh, Tim and his dad, Jim, uh, I got a chance to sponsor him uh, back in those days. And uh, I wasn't a big sponsor, but I helped him out and uh, got to know the team pretty good. And I talked to him and I say, Tim, when you get a lead, sometimes it looks like you get like, like, a, a, like a half a track lead. And then other times it looks like, man, you you got to go because the second place guy's right on you. And Tim said to me, now in confidence, back in those days, uh, he said, Joe, what I'm doing is I'm picking up on my dad that stands in the middle of turn three, four along the fence. And when he holds his hands out about a foot apart, that means that the guy is, is uh, back there quite a way. Slow down. Save me some. When he held his hands like a prayer motion, that meant the guy's right on you, Tim. You got to move your ass, or you're going to get passed. So mm-hmm. it was funny to, to to think that Tim would have enough time to pick up on his dad in the center of three four. Um, but I guess you know the guy would stand in the same place every time, and he'd do the same thing. And if anybody was standing in Jim Ellis's uh, spot when Tim was on that track, I'm telling you what. The two crew would pick him up and move him out of the way so that Jim could stand there. That's how important that was for Tim and his dad. Uh, is there is there any similarities between, you know, yourself and your dad? Does he stand in a specific spot? Or have you ever heard that? Because you guys can't use spotters and neither could they. Um, well, definitely uh, we have a, like a little mule that carries our toolbox around. And my dad will park it in a, in a spot and... It's pretty noticeable to see it, and because uh, the track is so lit, you can see almost everything. And um, he'll sometimes, depending on where I'm running, he'll kind of give motions, and I'll, I'll look. Um, go, normally at Oshwigan, it's when you go into three, and uh, he'll do a couple motions. We have a, a couple different uh, signals and stuff, but normally it's under caution um, when he'll do all of that, and he'll tell you, hey, if you have a big lead, you'll hold his hands far apart, same as that guy. Or he'll do a motion of pulling his arm back and saying, hey, you got to pull your wing back here a little loose. Because some, sometimes it's better to be watching from the outside in, and you can see everything. You can see where guys are running. You can see uh, if you're, the car's a little loose. I know I, I'm pretty good at feeling uh, feeling the car and knowing how I like it, and I like the car a little bit tight. Um, but sometimes my dad will be like, hey, put the wing down a little bit more. Um, you were a lot faster before you pulled it back or um, stuff like that, it's uh, definitely a big, big help when uh, you can't see the guys behind you and where they're running. 
Yeah, kind of crazy too. I, uh, you know, said all that, and as it came out my mouth, I went, "Us weekend, nobody stands in turn one and two or turn three, four uh, with you guys." There's a runoff area there, and uh, probably would not be a good spot for anybody to stand. Uh, but I do digress. Um, we are with J- Jacob Dykstra. He is one of those sprint car guys. You can see him in the crate sprints, the three sixty sprints, and if you're going to Charlotte. You're going to find out who Jacob Dykstra is for yourself. Junior, uh, what a driver, what a, what a champion. Yeah, absolutely, and and what a what a monumental trip. The uh, uh, you know I, I lived in Charlotte for a handful of years, and uh, you know there was there was three times where the traffic was noticeable. Uh, four once they went to the four wide nationals with the drag strip, but you know when when the uh, dirt nationals were on. Um, that place came to life for like a week. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it was so cool to see, um, you know, just, I, I, I literally lived, you know, I was the closest apartment complex to Charlotte Motor Speedway. And, uh, when the Dirt Nationals came on, um, or, or were coming up, it was, uh, you know, just, it, it, it flooded the town with sprint cars and sprint car memorabilia. And, and, uh, you know, you'd go out for dinner and everybody in the place was wearing a sprint car or a dirt late model shirt or, or a, uh, you know, a, a different piece of dirt memorabilia. Um, more so even than the NASCAR side of things. Um, you know, just the, all the big names, but all the small names as well. Um, Jacob, talk about the uh, the the apparel side of dirt racing. Uh, do you do you have a cool apparel line? Do you have a bunch of stuff with uh, with Dykstra on it? And and uh, are, are you going to have anything available down there at the nationals? Um, well, we're not like those big guys. We don't have a trailer or anything. No, but no. we do have uh, shirts, sweaters, and hats. Um, but it's not under Dykes Racing. It's under Palace Bros Racing. I am. Uh, I drive for somebody, and yep. uh, we got a bunch of cool sweaters, shirts, hats, and uh, yeah, they'll all all be up for sale at Charlotte. And uh, hopefully, we can get some more stuff here and there as we keep going. But uh, right now, we're just trying to focus on win races and not really uh, t-shirts. All available online too. Can uh, people buy them online? I know Christmas is coming. Can they do that? Um, well, they can contact me on Facebook or on Instagram. Um, just you just shoot me a message, and uh, I can get them shipped out to you, or you guys can come pick it up from my race shop. Sounds cool. Final question for you tonight, and then we're going to let you off the horn and let you get back to work on your car because I know your dad will be saying, "Hey, enough of yakking. Let's uh, start twisting some wrenches." Are you going to go down and do Volusia County or Speed Weeks again? February's coming nice and quick. We don't have no stupid pandemic to worry about. You're going to go south. Definitely, we are. Me and uh, my old crew is going to go down. We're going to go down for hopefully two months. We're going to go to Volusia with the 410 and uh, and the 360. The 360s are actually going to be at Volusia for two days. And then we're going to do Henry again where I had my best 360 finish last year. So uh, hopefully we can get a win down there and then uh, go race the 410 at East Bay and uh, hopefully hit a couple more races while we're down there and stay down as long as we can because, uh, well, now I, I'm no longer in school right now. So we're going to try and hit every race we can this year. Absolutely. And if you go on a winning streak, so I've always wondered this, like, you guys talk about going for two months. If you go on a, like a winning streak and, and you pick up a bunch of big wins, um, does it, does it allow you to stay longer? Like, cause it, like the dirt racing, it seems like, you know, you can still, if you pick off a, a few wins, you can fund the next couple races with it, right? Like, it's not like late model racing. If you go to, if you go to race at, 
at New Smyrna, you could win the whole week and you're still down sixty grand, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but is it on the dirt side of things? Like you can pick up some pretty sizable money, and and you you can you know kind of extend your stay a little bit. Does, is, is that the case? Oh, definitely. It's definitely a big factor. Um, if you're winning a couple of the races, there's a couple for five grand, a couple for three, and a couple for ten. So if you win a couple of those big races that can uh, afford some plane tickets uh, for some of the guys to go home for a couple of days to go to work and then fly back or for some hotel rooms and some food and all the gas, like it, it, you can definitely stay down down there. And there's racing everywhere. Like uh, There's not one weekend you can go without not racing. You just got to try and do your research and find the next racetrack. You might have to drive a little bit, but you can always find the next racetrack. And that's what we're planning on doing is just stay down as long as we can and pick up every race. But, uh, yeah, we're just, we're just trying to have fun. And, uh, as long as everybody's happy and, uh, yeah, not wanting to go home, we'll stay down there as long as we can. That's cool. And that's why you see guys like Kenny Wallace and Kenny Schrader and those kind of guys still in dirt racing today. Uh, they enjoy it, and you can go track to track and take the same car track to track. It's amazing what happens when you don't have 19 divisions. Oh. Like you do on asphalt. I'm getting to it. <laughs> hour number two. Jacob, thanks so much for the time tonight on Race Time Radio. We genuinely appreciate it. Congratulations on yet another title. And I know we will get you back on the air here before February to set the stage for Speed Week's Good luck at the World Finals. They're going to know who you are, kiddo. Thank you so much. It was awesome being on the show. You betcha. That's Jacob Dykstra. Uh, you can catch him. Uh, he's going to be 360. He's going to be great sprint. Uh, World Finals, trust me, you will find out who that kid is. He's getting better and better every lap, Joe. Um, I haven't seen him. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. I did see him on the This Weekend broadcast on uh, G-Force. I did catch those on Friday night, so I did see Jacob run. Um, but I'll tell you what, the guy is very, very strong in that race car. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, building building the brand, right? There's uh, there's a handful of those young lads that are that are really picking it up. And, and, and uh, you know, the, the competition level is no joke right now across the board when it comes time for, um, you know, 360s here. It's, it's obviously a hotbed. Um, you know, for the 360 car, and and uh, you know, it's it's amazing to me that uh, you know all those guys, um, you know, they they allude to it that that they're gonna go they're gonna go dabble with the 410 guys, yeah. right? And yeah, yeah, and they have that ability, and and they do. you know, it's a it's a 360 car. Um, you know, you, you don't hear of guys with pro late models up here saying, I'm going to go get a McGonagall, you know, or a Hamner super late model engine, drop it in my my APC car and go or, you know, a, a, a pick up a big motor and go super late race and down south. Right, right. You build a super late model. You don't build a 410 Sprint. You build a Sprint car and you could put a crate motor in it. You could put a 360 motor in it or you could put a 410 motor in it. And, uh, you know, obviously it changes setup. Some other stuff changes. Like that. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But that being said, um, you're using you know, the same you're using cage. The, yeah. You're, you're using the same, uh, the same blueprint. Yeah. But, uh, no, hats off to, uh, the Dykstra clan and, and, uh, to, to 
all those guys. Jacob uh, uh, has been, you know, turning lots of heads, and and uh, uh, sounds like he's got a very ambitious winter slash fall schedule. Uh, two months down there is uh, he's going to collect some hardware. I wouldn't doubt. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. And we will have him back here on Race Time Radio when things develop, and we'll set the stage for you before. Speed weeks. What's and that? I would like to, going back to the point where, that I made, I would love to spend a day with a sprint car team next year. Yeah. Like, I, I would honestly love to just be a part of the team. Um, you know, obviously, I wouldn't be very useful, like, to, to a certain degree. But um, I, I would like to see the different dynamics between how an asphalt team, you know, kind of operates and how a, a top-tier, you know, sprint car team operates. Because, really... You know, they're on so many, uh, you know, opposites in the spectrum. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, they're not adjusting the car based on... No, on, no you know, 50 lap practices. Exactly. You've got five yeah. lap practice. Yeah, yeah. What and, can and you learn in five laps? You're forecasting what the what the track is going to do on steroids right yeah. like it's yeah, yeah. it's not you're not talking about five five percent more grip because it cools down 10 degrees you're talking like a fundamental change in the track as it slicks off and um i i just i'm very intrigued cool. by it i'm very yeah. intrigued and and i would i would honestly like to so if you have a sprint car and uh you want a uh, fat guy that eats a couple cheeseburgers i'll uh i'll come and and be free labor for the day well and you'd be a wealth of knowledge too i can well imagine when it's uh, got wheels on it trying to go as fast as possible um, I gotta admit, you're pretty good at picking those things out. Uh, that can sometimes make a difference. Our next guest had a wild 2022 season. Uh, he did some winning and he did some jumping from sprint car, uh, crate sprint cars into 360s. And, uh, he is part of one of those cherished families in our sport here in the province of Ontario. His name is Nick, Nick, uh, uh, uh Sheridan. I didn't forget your name, Nick. Um, he is going to join us on the other side of the break. Stay with us. Nick Sheridan next. It's time to get back to the racetracks. For over 30 years, Quick Quick Fire Starters have fueled the sport on and off the track. Making lighting your campfire as easy as one, two, three. There's no need for kindling or paper. Just pop your quick, quick fire starter in the pit, add your wood, and presto, you're a pro. Quick, quick fire starters. No harmful chemicals and guaranteed to light your fire every time. Quick, quick fire starters. The world's best fire starter. Rev TV, your motorsports and automotive destination. Watch live races from around the world and right here at home from two wheels to four and so much more. Rev TV is your source for motorsports. Rev TV features exclusive race series, up-to-date news coverage, documentaries, how-to programs, and adrenaline-filled lifestyle programs 24-7. Go green with Rev TV. Contact your TV provider to order. Tonight's Race Time Radio is fueled by... AP Race Fuels, the worldwide leader in race fuel technology. If you're a Springsteen fan, you just found the promised land. Hear rare interviews and performances. Live concerts. Is there anybody alive out there? 
celebrity guest DJs. This is Rob Lowe. Hey, baby, it's little Steven here. And more exclusives when listening to Bruce Springsteen's channel. Welcome, Bruce Springsteen, to E Street Radio, your home away from home. Great to be here. E Street Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 20. Canadian Sports Trivia, here's Joe Thistle. During the 2000 NBA All-Star festivities, the Toronto Raptors' Vince Carter exploded to win the dunk contest with a series of moves including a through-the-leg slam. Carter's air show was a defining moment for basketball in Canada, putting the Raptors and the entire country on the map. A championship now in the books, Canada has become a hotbed for NBA talent. And it was Vince Carter flying through the air that started it all. Canadian Sports Trivia. Men, 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 morning men. Hi, I'm Evan Cohen, and I'm Mike Babchat. We were given 30 seconds to describe our show, Morning Men, on Mad Dog Sports Radio. So I'll ask you some questions, and you give me the answers. What do we do for fun? You go to the diner with your family. Me? I drink and forget I have a family. Biggest crush? You? Tom Brady. Me? Anyone in yoga pants. What do we want to do more of? You? Talk about what happened the night before in the world of sports. Me? I would like to do more of my wife. (laughs) I think we just ran out of time. Morning Men, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM 82, and the Sirius XM app. Welcome back. Race Time Radio. I don't think I like it, too. I know I like it, too. That's Joey Vinegar. Check him out on his YouTube page. Uh, Joey Vinegar's got a lot of great tunes. Check him out. Joey Vinegar. What? I uh, I got to put in a vacation request. Ooh. I'm not going to be here next week. Next week? I'm going to see Kevin Hart. Well, you got a good excuse I, uh, not yeah, to be I'm here gonna, next I'm week. Gonna go to, I'm going to go to Toronto and uh, going to sit in the grandstands and watch some comedy. Oh, you will have a hoot. Kevin Hart wait. is so funny. I can't wait. I've never seen the guy. I've only been to a couple comedy shows. So I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually pretty excited about it. It's well, neat. good for you. I've seen uh, George Carlin back in the day. Yep. Uh, your mom and I in Las Vegas, right up front. We're front row. Yep. And I'll tell you what, it was awesome. George Carlin was uh, hilarious to watch live. Stand-up comedy back then. Did and they then have microphones? You are a... No, I can't say it. You can say it. No, I can't. You can. No, I can't. But I can tell you uh, about oh an hour, hour and a half after the George Carlin show. We seen him at MGM. Mm-hmm. And your mom said, hey, let's play the slot machines. And I said, I'm not playing the slot machines, but you go ahead. I'm going to sit at this uh, blackjack table. Yep. So I sat there, and I went up, I don't know, maybe 150 bucks. Guy yep. sitting beside me was up $28,000 on a blackjack table. Nice. And I went, oh, and, and now crowds starting to gather behind us, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, i got a tip out of here because this is going to start blowing up, and it's going to blow up bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy within, I'm going to say, 20 minutes mm-hmm. gave that $28,000 back to the house, nice. plus about two grand of his own, and I tipped out. And I looked over at Sue, and I said, how about you? She goes, 150 bucks. 150 I said, you're up? She goes, no, I'm down. I said, okay, time to go to bed. Let's go. So we went to the elevator, got on the elevator, me, your mom, and who? George Carlin. George Carlin. That's right. He was on the elevator. That's cool. And he had a newspaper in his hand. He already had his pajama bottoms on, but it was George. Yeah. And uh, I looked, and he put the newspaper down, and I said, George, great show. He Uh said, oh, yeah, you guys were front row. I said, yeah, we were. 
I said, I've been uh, listening to you since Class Clown. Uh, I had your 8-track, so now I'm dating myself, but I did. I had George Carlin's 8-track, Class Clown, and uh, it was pretty cool to meet my uh, comedic hero, George Carlin, to see him live in Vegas, and then to ride the elevator. Uh, He went up to, I don't know, we were on the 20th floor, and he was still going, so probably penthouse up top, but (laughs) kind of cool to see George. But good luck at Kevin Hart next week. You will be missed here, but I want to hear all about it. Yeah, yeah. Let's get back to the hotline, shall we? Talk some racing. Uh, This next guest, man, he had a decent 2022. Didn't say real, real good season, but I did say decent. He got uh, uh, wins in sprint car. He got wins in uh, a sprint car crate division. And Nick Sheridan is always a great guest here on Race Time. And he joins us now. What's going on tonight there, Nickasaurus? How are you? Hey, Joe. I'm not too bad. Just uh, had to be on the show. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good. So what's happening with your race team? Are you like Dykstra getting ready for the world finals down at Charlotte? You heading down there to race, to watch, or what? Well, I'd love to go down there and race, but uh, I don't think we'll be able to do that this year. So I think we'll just, uh, we just kind of took the motor out and sent it down to Green Leash to get rebuilt for the winter time. And in the meantime, we'll get the shop cleaned up and get some things more organized for next race season. But I think we'll be heading down south to go to the uh, PRI show and maybe watch a few races. So, ah. Uh, that's for the winter. Get a little bit of new technology heading down to PRI. That seems to, the, the place to be these days is to go to PRI. Uh, if it's new, it's going to be at that show. For sure. I've been there. I went there in 2019 for my first time, and I loved it. just awesome to see all the new products and learn what's going on in the racing world and get it firsthand. So it's definitely a great place to learn and just a great atmosphere and love going down to there. So we'll go down there again this year and see what we can learn. You're going to take the old boy with you? You're going to take the brother along? Is it going to be a family run down to PRI? Is it just going to be used flying solo with the crew? Well, I, I am the only one that's guaranteed to go. I know uh, Dad's got to work for the first day, so I don't know if he's going to come down for the second, two, and we'll see if Jake gets time off work. But uh, we will see. I know I'm guaranteed. I'd love to have them come down with me. And where is it this year? Is it back in Orlando? Uh, no, it's in uh, Indianapolis, uh, right downtown Indiana there. Ooh, yeah, down in Indy. That'll be good, too. That's a good spot to be. Yeah. Yeah, good deal, Nick. Uh, you had uh, I, I, you had a, a fun season, is what you had. It seemed like uh, you know every single time that I seen you, you had a big grin on your face. No, that's nothing new, but you did have a fun season this year. To talk us through the changeover, you know, stepping into the bigger motor sprint car. Talk us through you know the the first couple nights, which were amazing. Um, and then talk us through the rest of the season. Uh, yeah, well, Joe, it's hard not to have a grin when you're running a 360 sprint car. Those things are pretty awesome. So, uh, no, it was definitely a great year. We came out of the gates flying and had a few good runs right off the bat, and then uh, learned pretty quick how tough that division is. So it's uh, real hard to be super consistent at places like Oshawa with a lot of really tough competitors. But uh, we had a pretty good year. We didn't get to Victor Lane. I think we finished second twice and third four times something along those lines so we were, we were really consistent but uh, a couple of harsh runs at the beginning of the year kind of didn't hurt us hurt us in the points but uh, we ended up fifth in the points there which was a great year and definitely a big learning curve like we learned a bunch with our team and how to make the cars better and just how i could drive them better and learn to race against those really big dogs so we uh we definitely a big learning year definitely a lot of fun like you said we had a lot of good good success not too many bad nights just a lot of good nights nothing 
super amazing, but a lot of good nights, and we definitely learned a lot and opened up our notebook a whole bunch for next year to come out of the gates flying. I picked up on quite a few of your races on G-Force at us weekend, and I think back, Nick, and I don't know, it was probably either half or three-quarters of the way through the season. Um, you had been struggling early on, and this particular night, you started rolling, and man, you were right up at the front. Um, I can't remember who it was that got by you, um, but there was a little bit of contact, and I thought, uh-oh, these guys are going to really be pissy with uh, Nick, but it wasn't. Uh, in the post-race interviews, uh, the second-place guy was good, the first-place guy was good, and you were third. Yeah, there's a, that's definitely a pretty – I think I know which one you're talking about, but it's, it's definitely crazy. Those guys are very aggressive, and they always go hard all the time. So sometimes you got to take it, sometimes you've got to give it a little bit. And there's Luckily, there's plenty of give and take in that division. There's a lot of good races to race against, and uh, it's just a – it's a good division. I think it's a great division to race in Ontario and many good people and just, just a lot of fun. Biggest takeaway from 2022, the biggest aha moment, if you will. What was it? Uh, I'm trying to think what that, but I don't think there was really one particular moment I can say about that, but we definitely learned quite a bit about the setups every single week. I would, I love trying new things and every week we try something new and that did work or that didn't work and this and that and, Definitely a lot about racing, too. We were in kind of, when you go, when we were on the Touring Series as well, the Knights of Thunder Series, and we go to those other different tracks, you definitely learn what you got to change for them and just learn how to be consistent everywhere. Just, uh, it's, it's tough to do, but I've, I've always loved consistency. I just, I try to be a consistent driver. I'm not one of those drivers who goes for checkers and records all the time. I just like being near the front all the time, and I think we're really building that with our team. Absolutely. Uh, you know, on, on basically, I, you want to race on whatever racetrack is next, right? It doesn't really matter what racetrack it is. If there's going to be a race and it's a sanctioned race and there's a payout and there's a checkered flag, you want to go race it. We all know that. But what is, what is on the bucket list for Nick Sheridan on racetrack? styles like is, is there's got to be a bunch of crown jewel style racetracks uh that that run sprint cars down south that you you know kind of you lust after or, or drool over uh when when the world of outlaws guys show up there uh or or you know when when you see it on flow racing you you you've got to have a bunch of racetracks that that you would really like to go to and and get on um what what would they be nick uh well I, uh, I've always loved Eldora. Eldora is an awesome track with the progressive bank. You can run the top. Sometimes you'll see him run the bottom. But if you can bang the boards there, it's a lot of fun, which I've seen a lot of guys do. And I'd love to do that. Hopefully we'll be able to do that with our program a couple of times next year with the 360 series. Yep. The NRA sprint invaders that run there a couple of times. I'd love to just go run a couple of those races. But, uh, that's a great track. Um, I don't think we'll make it to Port Royal next year, but I also love that track. Just some big places you can really keep momentum up, which I feel like I've, I've really enjoyed doing that, and we've had success with tracks that are like that. But those are good. But I also really like some tracks where you really got to hold the bottom and kind of race it like an actual car because patience is really king. And if you can be patient there, it's easy to run good even if you don't have the equipment the other guys have. Nick, sponsorship on your race cars. Who have you got on there? Same on both cars or different on both? Uh, there's plenty of the same sponsors like Pride Seeds and Vibrant Farms are on both our cars. We can't thank them enough. And but the biggest sponsor with our car this year would be Leach Performance Engines. Gary really helped us out. He uh, really helped us get our feet wet in 360, so we really appreciate him. But there's 
those are the three main sponsors in our car, and we really can't thank them enough. Well, keep the pressure on Gary. Tell me you need just a little bit more horsepower, <laughs> a little bit more yank. Maybe you'll have to give up this to get some torque. But uh, if anybody can dial that engine in to your five toes on that one foot, it's Gary Leach. Uh, you guys do a great job, and uh, congratulations on a good learned season. Can't wait to see what you got coming out the box for 2023, my friend. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. I don't really know what's going up next year either, but whatever happens, I can't wait for it. I'm really pumped, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see. Have to see how it shakes out. Well, I tell you what, if your if your driving skills are are anywhere close to as good as your brother's dancing skills, uh, you're one heck of a wheelman. <laughs> I tell you that right now, and and I'll tell you that for free. His uh, his dancing skills last night were uh, were pretty pretty remarkable. You know, Joe, you're about the fifth person to tell me that. <laughs> so I uh, really. Kind of unfortunate I wasn't there, but I've seen him a couple times before, and hey, maybe one of these times we'll see if I can give a run for his hey, money on that dance floor. You know what? They're, last night they should have uh, shut the, when the when the ugly lights came on at the end. They should have done a second awards presentation because I think it would have been neck and neck between Teddy McAllister and Jake Sheridan. I, I think that Danny Benedict would have gotten an honorary mention, <laughs> um, but uh, but I, I think that it would have been neck and neck for uh, for best dancing skills. That's for sure. And how about this? Hats off to uh, to APC and to those guys. You picked up a, 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 a or he picked up a, a brand new crate engine. I know he's always he's been a really? Ford guy for a long time, but but uh, you know he uh, Jake Sheridan bumped uh, Tom, uh, Tom Gibbons, Gibbons out of the way. Tom Gibbons won back to back, you know, crate engines, and uh, and Jake uh, went out there and got uh, got himself one free one. So uh, now he's usually a Ford in the late model side, so that means he just got he's just got to give you that that six hundred four, right? I don't think I'll be seeing that. I'm sure he'll utilize it somehow, whether he uh, puts it in his car for next year or sells it, I'm not sure. But it's definitely amazing the awards they have there and all the things they have the APC banquet there. They do a top-notch presentation, and it's pretty awesome that we got to win that win that motor. So uh, I know he was pretty pumped about it last night. I got the text, and I was just about screaming on the phone. Too cool, too cool. Nick, this has been great catching up with you, buddy. You have a good one. Get that car blown apart. Get it ready to go. you got races to win in 2023, buddy. For sure. Thanks, Joe. We'll uh, keep working back here at the race shop. It's awesome to be on the show. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Nick Sheridan, keep your eyes and ears wide open for that youngster. Uh, He turned a bunch of heads last year, turned a bunch this year. Watch. He has got a bright future in the sport. And then his brother that we allude to, Jake Sheridan, is over in APC. One son runs asphalt, Run one son runs uh, dirt. And you got Ron Sheridan. Uh, past multi-champion at Delaware Speedway, always big in asphalt, uh, dancing between the two, and uh, does a great job. One runs Friday night, the other one runs Saturday nights, and of course, uh, young Nick goes over and helps his brother Jake. He's the tire specialist over on the APC car, and I can well imagine Jake is over helping out Nick. So, uh, kind of a cool family, and uh, one of those staples, as mentioned, here in the province of Ontario uh, that, uh, that, that that is here. Uh, super stuff. We are going to throw it back to Toronto. we got to do the news update. takes 90 seconds, and then we're back for hour number two. The Orange Cone is coming up, and then we're going to talk to Nick Moncher. We'll talk about who's your Tire uh, with the Marketing Director for World. We'll be back. You're listening to Canada Talks 
on Sirius XM, channel 167. Race Dive Radio is brought to you by the Quality Inn, Halifax Airport, the official stay of the Race Time Radio broadcast crew. Also by APX Racewear, the motorsports leader in custom crew apparel and fire suits. Also by the Wooden Door Bistro. He gets turned into the outside wall. Holy cow! The thrill of the race. You just never know how it's going to play out. Insider access to the drivers. We'll roll with it. We're enjoying it. We'll, we'll collect as many trophies as we can. Uh, let's go finish this thing, baby. It's a new normal. Better figure it out. Sirius XM NASCAR Radio, Channel 90. Thank you. You are the man. With the two Joes here on Race Time Radio on Sirius XM 167, where Canada talks. And just like that, we are back with you all live for another full hour here tonight. All live on Sirius XM Channel 167, Canada Talks. You've got your Sirius XM sub- subscription yet? Uh, if you haven't got that yet, you really should. I'm telling you. Uh, it makes a great gift idea as well. If you're looking at uh, that gift that keeps giving, you get every single NASCAR race, no matter if you're driving down the road. Uh, you got uh, Sirius XM NASCAR radio that you can tune into. MRN, PRN does the broadcast. But Sirius NASCAR radio channel 90 carries every single NASCAR race. Uh, you'd never miss another one. And then, of course... You got race time radio that you could tune in as you're driving back and forth to the cottage or what have you. Uh, you can jump on with us uh, every Sunday night from seven to nine p.m. Eastern, and keep it locked on Canada Talks. We got a lot of great programming on this channel. You don't know what I mean? Check it out. Uh, that's up to you. Uh, we are also live on racetimeradio.com and new. Just uh, about month, month and a half ago, uh, on our new YouTube channel. YouTube, uh, uh, Race Time Radio TV. <laughs> you think I'm going to get that right one of these days? <laughs> yeah, thank? Race Time Radio dot TV. No, no dot. Yeah. Nope. If you do it, it takes you right to it. Yeah. Oh, does it? Yep. With the dot or without it, don't matter. Yeah, it don't matter. And you can watch live. Uh, and sure. watch. You're here in the studio with us. And eventually, this is going to get better, too, because we're going to start getting some guests on video that we're going to be able to add in. So... uh we're going to do that. I just about had it set up, and then uh, our schedule got messed up, and we were off for a week. And then by the time we got back on, Junior wasn't here for like three weeks. So uh, there was lots going on throughout the course of the end of the summer. Uh, but things are going to tighten up here a bit. Uh, we are in the off season now. We're going to miss him next weekend because he's going to go down and see Kevin Hart. Uh, in Toronto. That'll be a lot of fun, Junior. You're going to have a blast at that, baby. Yeah. Uh, now, <clears throat> something I wanted to talk to you about. Oh, I'll also let you know, we've got Orange Cone coming up. Do you follow him on Twitter? Uh, if not, do it now. The Orange Cone. Follow him on Twitter and then keep listening. Keep listening because you're about to meet the Orange Cone. Uh, cones don't normally talk. Normally, they just sort of sit at the side of the racetrack and Sometimes get ran over and direct people where to go and stuff like that. But this orange cone is a little bit different. He not only talks, 
but he types. And uh, some of the stuff that this orange cone puts out, he's been around forever. And uh, trust me when I say you want to follow the orange cone. If you're a short track fan anywhere, Canada, U.S., you want to follow the orange cone. Do that uh, because he's coming up. And we will hear from Nick Moncher. He is the Canadian marketing or pardon me. Well, he is Canada, but he's Canada, U.S. World Marketing Director for Hoosier Tire um, down in the U.S. Nikki is the man right across the board. We're going to ask him some of those uh, questions that we've all been asking. Uh, we're going to get some answers from uh, the top here tonight on Race Time Radio. But before we get to those two guests, Junior, you put a post out on Facebook this week. And man, did you stir it up. How many comments does that thing have? Like last time I checked, it was like 43 comments on it. Um, give us the gist of it, that post. Yeah, so um, the uh, the, the root of it is... Yeah, I was going to say, where did it all come from? Where did the idea come from before you started typing that post? Well, it's, I mean, I've had conversations about this in the past. I've had people come up to me and say, you're, you're a real blank disturber, you know, and <laughs> you stir the pot and you, blah, 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 blah. And I'm not that way. I put a lot of thought into racing. I put a lot of thought into motorsports and you've been uh, in it since you were five years old. Yeah. I, I want, I want the best for motorsports. No matter what. I want good racing. I want full grandstands. I want full pit areas. Um, and I, I think we all do. That's what everybody, every motorsports guy, every motorsports girl sure. wants the yeah. best for motorsports. Um, you know, when I look at the landscape, and I know I alluded to it a little bit with uh, with Jacob Dykstra, the, the, the benefits of, of not having, you know, a thousand different divisions is, is you've got the opportunity to go race, you know, Monday through Friday. Sunday mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. Uh, at racetracks all across the United States on the dirt side, and you can't do that with asphalt. And I'm an asphalt guy. I love asphalt racing. Um, you know, I know we led in into the show with two dirt guys, and um, you know, I, my heart, my soul is in asphalt racing. I love late models. I love you know everything to do with asphalt racing, whether yep. it be four bangers or or whether it be super stocks or hot rods, whatever it is. I want to watch it. I yep. want to. I want to partake in it. I want to be a part of it. I want to. I want to watch it. I want to. You know. I, I want to touch it and feel it and be a part of it. And you want to be proud of it. Exactly. The same so, pride that the guys take inside those race cars. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So I made a post. Um, you know, and it's it's been on my mind for quite a while. Is just the you know how many divisions there are across the um, across the spectrum of of asphalt racing and it does specifically ontario yeah specifically because on canada's east coast the newfoundland you got four classes you got four classes to choose from that's what you have in newfoundland you're either a bandolero a legend a hobby stock or a late model yep now then move into the maritimes yep how many divisions are in the maritimes there's eight eight divisions in the maritimes yep that, yeah, a couple have been added the last couple of years yep. to emulate kind of what's happening in Ontario, I would think. Exactly. And then but they're you, added in as a tour. Yeah. As a tour. It, but six one half a dozen of the other. It's When I look at the landscape of Ontario motorsports, um, you know, uh, people say that there's less cars, there's less racers than there used to be. And I wanted to call BS on that. So I literally went through and I totaled up. From the point standings from every single division in Ontario. Yeah. I missed Pro 4s. 
And um, you missed Junior Late Models, no, I, I didn't. think. No, oh, I didn't. didn't you? Didn't you? I, 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 you did. I intentionally didn't include Junior Late Models, Go-Karts, or Bandoleros. But those are feeder divisions. So those there, I want a 1,000 of them. I don't care there's how so, many it is. <laughs> get, get, a kid, get a kid involved in a motorsports yeah. entity, and he's going to end up in or, – or she's going to end up in one of the other forms of motorsports. There's so, only one Bandolero, as far as I know. Those guys no, dropped but, the ball on that baby. But but what I'm saying is is I didn't include – I didn't include any of the feeder divisions uh, from the youth side of things. Right. Um, and I didn't include the United Eights. I didn't include the Combined Fours because they were created for the sole reason is that there's too many divisions and, and everything is so convoluted. And everybody so, pusher, not everybody, but I did see a couple of pushbacks on that saying, hey, well, you were the guy that, it's fine. that brainchild the but, United Eights and Combined Fours. Why yeah. did you do that if there's too many divisions? And, and the, the sole reason is, is so that you could run – any of these divisions that I, That's right. that I had listed. They're not a new division. Exactly. It's not a new division. It's one that compiles yep. all the stupid divisions that are out there yep. to and bring it now, into focus. Now, I listed all of them, and I said, in a dream world, yes. in a dream world, I would knock it back to five divisions in, in uh, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Five divisions. I would have pro-late models. I would have- Not including tours. Now, this is, this is not me. including tours? Including tours. Including tours. Including tours. Yeah, that might be I would, a little tough. I would have five divisions in Canada. Yeah. In, in Ontario. Yeah. In Ontario. And, and really in Canada. That's what I would want. Um, really, you know, a pro late model division. And and I was using these as just just the bare metrics because they, they have the most car count now. They have the brightest future, if you will, uh, down the line. But, and it has nothing to do with the caliber of competition from the other series or the other divisions. I said pro late model, super stock, uh, mini stock, bone stock, and legends. I Those five divisions yep. have got the brightest future. Mini stocks, kind of on the fence. But that being said, you could create a really neat four-cylinder division. Sure, combine them. And, and No, no, a really neat four-cylinder division if you opened it up and allowed them to be like a four-cylinder style late model, you could have a really neat style. That's called Pro 4. And, yeah, and it's not. It's not. They're, it's they're not like a modified. They're, they're like a modified. If you look at the compact division that's down south in Florida and Texas and, and uh, Alabama and, and into like South Georgia and, uh, and South Carolina, they've got a compact four division. They're basically like a tube clip. Like a, like a tube clip four cylinder division, mm. and they've got you know the four cylinder style body on them, yep. and they have a whack of them. Do they really neat? No, that's cool. It's kind of where mini stock is headed. You yeah. know, you look at some yeah, of yeah. these mini stocks now, and they're amazing. They're they're little late models. Oh, they're rockets, and and they're fast, but they're spending way too much money. When I look at it, you know, if you had those five divisions and that was it, and you said, look, I'm not scheduling any other. Any other uh, races, you know, those are those are it. You still got to have specials. You want APC to roll through? No, 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 no. APC is a, is a pro lay model, so they're on that list. Oh, gotcha. But everything else, sorry guys, you know, uh, everything else, including whether it be hot rods, whether it be modifieds, whether it be well, what would uh, you do with cars. them? What would you do with them? Uh, how I said it is is and and part of the post is is what you would do to supplement it is charge everybody at the first and second year a a multiple 
on the registration so that the entire industry takes a hit and incorporate them when they buy a new car, when they buy a super stock, when they buy a mini stock, when they buy one of the other ones, they get a supplemental or, or a, a subsidy check for doing that. Hmm. And, and the entire industry takes a hit. So if it costs everybody right now on average $200 to register uh, for the year, make it 1000 Make it a thousand bucks for year one and two, and now you know everybody with a super stock. They don't need to. Everybody with a late model. They don't need to dip into that. Everybody with a four cylinder or mini stock. They don't need to dip into that. Anybody that had a car that was registered in year two thousand and twenty two uh, that that wasn't part of those five divisions, they can apply, get the check. And go buy a mini stock. They can go build a mini stock. They can, you know, build a, a super stock, build a late model to to conform into it. Now, I said all that knowing that it's never going to happen. Yeah. But yeah. if you could, if they could find a way to trim the fat in some areas, it might create some good. Well, Instead, we look at it. Fast forward to, uh, I believe, Saturday. I see a you know, a post that, hey, modifieds are coming to sunset. We talked about it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. and here's the, uh, you know, we'll talk splitting about of a division. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Drives me bananas when I see this. And I, and I go back to the all-star days. Of and course, we're not, we are not, no. we are absolutely not want throwing the best. darts at Sunset Speedway. We want by the saying best any of this. for everybody. Um, but back in the All Star days, and this is where this is where the burn comes from. From me, uh, I had the All Star Racing Series. I had Sable Speedway. I owned them both. Anyway, uh, we had really good car count in All Star, and I would go to the racetrack level, setting up the season, and I'd say, "Guys, uh, here's what the cost is of a All Star Super Series race," and they would say, "That's too much money, Joe. That's too much money." Yep. And I would say, well, come on, like, we got to put the money back into the guys. I'm not taking the money that you're giving me and keeping it. I pass it through and it filters to the actual race teams. Nope, nope, nope. We're not paying any more money. So we held everything, held everything. I still bumped up the purse money in All-Star. I did it through sponsorship and didn't charge the tracks any more money. What did the tracks do? Yeah. The tracks turned around and said, hey, there is no all-star race on this Sunday. Uh, we're going to hold the special, and we're going to pay $5,000 to win. Yep. And I took a look at the grand payout. It was like $4,000 more or $5,000 more than what an all-star race was yep. that they didn't want to pay all-star to do it because they thought Chisholm was getting rich. Yep. And that wasn't the case at all. I was filtering the money back to the race teams. So uh, what it effectively did back in the day, people ask me all the time, whatever happened to the All-Star Racing Series? Well, five guys killed it. Five track owners killed it. That's what happened to it. They didn't take a race because it was too expensive, yet they turned around and started putting all these specials on that were way more money than what I was charging to do an All-Star race with the thought, I can steal five of those cars. I can get five over here. You can get five. You can get five. And All-Star's gone. And now we get things back to the way they used to be before All-Star came along that actually started to build everything. Yep. 
So it were counterproductive. The same model is true when you take a look at the super late model series right now. Dave had that in Oscar. It was the Oscar super late models with a 25-year history, I might add. And it was going. Dave would always cry to the tracks, please, please, I need some more money for these guys. They're expensive cars to keep on the track. I'm not going to pay it up front. I'll pay it back. Give me more money. Nope, nope, nope. No more money. Dave, no more money. So the teams would all scream at Dave, get more money. Dave was trying to get more money, and they were saying, no, no, no more money. And then lo and behold, the Ontario promoters got together and said, we're going to run the Oscar Super Late Models ourselves, and we're going to call them the Ontario Super Late Models. And goodbye, Oscar. They literally just snatched it out of his hands. Yep. And the first thing they did was pay more money. That's what they did. The very thing they wouldn't do to Dave was pay more money. Yep. So they paid more money, and the car count dropped, and it dropped, and it dropped. And that's what happened. Now you get down to 10, 12 cars. The odd time the Supers will come out, and you'll have, oh, a great show. 16 will come out. But there's more than that in the province. They need the organization of it. They've been trying to do whatever they can to keep it going. Absolutely. Um, and now that now the track owners aren't involved anymore, they there just you said, go. They just well, said, now it's well, back we're not to the racers. It. And now it's now it's John Cadman and his team yes. that are effectively running the deal and trying to trying to make a go of it again. And trust me, those guys don't yeah. know how to do it. They don't. They don't. They know how to run a race car and they do it very well. Very well. But it's pretty hard. It is Racing is not a democratic society. You can't vote on everything because you're never going to make everybody happy. It is a dictatorship if you want to do it right. And the dictatorship, you have to be doing every decision that's going to benefit the fans in the stands, the people in the cars, and the people going through the pit gate. And you got to satisfy the racetracks. Don't get me wrong. You've got to satisfy the tracks. But when they gang up on you and take it over, and that's what I sort of see with this modified thing. And it's driving me nuts. History keeps repeating itself. And it has to stop doing that. It's got to stop. The madness has to stop. You can't split it. Uh, the answer to me is go back to Dave Danforth and say, look, whatever we were going to pay, the modifieds, we're going to pay you. But, Dave, I need more races. If, if that's the case, then he's got to do it or try to do it. I don't know what the answer is that way, but the answer isn't let's start another division over here because it's going to kill the one that's there, and we get back to the same problem that we've got year over year over year, and it fragments it and it splits it. And now you got modifieds there, you got modifieds here, you got 10 here, 10 there, you had a 20 car field and not no more. And the fans show up and then you can't charge them. And lo and behold, everything falls apart. And then everybody stands back and says the same thing. What happened to it? Well, I'll tell you what happened to it. The guys that need to be big pitcher aren't even looking at the pitcher. Yeah. They're not even looking at it. If you and they need to. If you look at We got at, one minute and I gotta throw it to break. Uh, going back to my post the, yes. in two thousand and twenty two racing series, totaling it up it, across all the different divisions. Now yep. there you gotta bundle in a fragment of guys that have a super stock and a late model or, or guys that have a mini stock in a in a bone stock, whatever. So take this number for what it's worth. 
take take thirty percent off if you want. But but this here is going off the point standings. Six hundred and ninety seven racers are in Ontario. Now that's everything from a a bone a, stock, bo- a bone stock, stock, a a pro midget to a to an outlaw super late model. Ah. Six hundred and ninety seven drivers. That's a lot. That's a lot. Knock that back to five divisions and imagine the racing that you would see. Oh, it would imagine be it. Tremendous. It would be like the good old days yeah, because would. there wasn't 697 guys back in the 70s. No, no. You had four classes, if that, at most tracks. At most tracks. I'm yeah, just saying. In Pinecrest, uh, Cayuga, like uh, uh, Sobel, there was like four to five classes. That's it. We got to hit this break. When we come back, we're going to grab the orange cone and we're going to talk big picture stuff with the cone and we'll find out what it's been up to. Aside from being run over at it all or the he. track. Or he. He. As it, I won't. It. Well, the cone is an We'll ask it. him or it, it. But we'll ask him. So you figure it out. We'll be back in just a minute. All live tonight on Sirius XM Channel 167. She was a girl in a short dress. I was a boy in a charcoal vest. When the winter wind Coast to coast, coast. you're listening to Canada Canada Talks. Canadian Sports Trivia, here's Joe Thistle. November 24th, 2019, the 107th Grey Cup in Calgary, and Winnipeg's 33-12 defeat of the Hamilton Tiger Cats signaled the end of one of the longest droughts in CFL history. It was the Blue Bombers' first championship since 1990, and for running back Andrew Harris, it was doubly historic as he was named most valuable player and most valuable Canadian. A first in Grey Cup lore. Canadian Sports Trivia. Even though Napa is a nationally known name, nearly all of our stores are built from the ground up by local owners and families. People you might call neighbors will be here, there, and everywhere. Doing what neighbors do to keep their communities moving forward. You stop by a Napa Auto Parts store, you can count on Napa know-how. Tonight's Race Time Radio is brought to you by Napa Auto Parts Stores, New Glasgow, Andy Ganesh, and Port Hawkesbury, Nova Scotia. You can count on Napa know-how. AP Race Fuels, the worldwide leader in race fuel technology. Epic Racewear, look, feel, be epic at epicracewear.ca. Now, a flashback in Canadian music history. Here's Eric Elper. Rush holds a special place in our hearts and in the record books. They've sold more than 40 million copies around the world. They have a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Officers of the Order of Canada. And they've released 24 gold records and 14 platinum albums, placing them fifth for the most consecutive gold or platinum studio albums by any rock band. From the high banks of Daytona, we cover it all. Ooh, that's going to leave a mark. And now, back to the Joes. Hey, shake and bake, Cal! Woo! Shake and bake! And here on Race Time Radio. Uh, we are back with you all live tonight on Sirius XM Channel 167. I know Sue is working the phone lines, trying to dial up an orange phone. How difficult would that be, Junior? Normally, she's trying to call an individual. 
damn cone doesn't have hands. How is it uh, supposed to pick up a phone? Well, unless he's sitting on it. <laughs> if someone would please set the cell phone under the orange cone and uh, give the orange cone a little kick around there just to wake him up. Uh, maybe he's gone to sleep. And then we'll get the orange cone on with us live. Uh, but I digress. Uh, orange cone is a great one to follow. You were the one that actually said, hey, did you follow orange cone? And I didn't know what orange cone was. And then it's uh, been a long time. But, uh, yeah, I followed him. That's pretty funny stuff. He's, uh, and some of it um, is controversial. It's, it's cool that he, it, it's... You know, the, the it's a parody account, obviously. He's knowledgeable in the sport. He's opinionated. Um, and part you know, of it's, the sport. It's, and part of the sport. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's funny because racing is so... It's so political. There's a lot of politics when it comes time for racing, yeah. and it's because everybody's got money in it, right? Well, it's, it's, everybody's, it's, everybody's competitive. Got, everybody's competitive. Everybody's got money in it. Everybody's got you know business interests, or they've got you know whatever. It's so the it takes, only business, Junior. It is yeah. the only business, and you know this from being in a lubricant end. If there is a conference, and I don't know, all the lubricants are at SEMA. You can't tell me that all the lubricant companies don't get together. They get together. Hey, how you doing? Like, I know we compete all the time, but how you doing? Mm-hmm. How you doing? And genuinely mean it. Um, I know from uh, back when I first bought the Speedway, um, I had a real good friend, Ross Picken, and he was in the drywall business and a commercial drywall company. And he said, Joey, you know, there isn't one competitor that I compete with that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I know them. I know them personally. Yep. He said I meet with them at the conventions. I meet with them here, meet with them there. Sometimes I run into them on job sites. We quote against each other all the time. And um, he said I get along with 99% of them. And he said, you know, you'll get one guy that will come in and quote a job and quote it for like of what everybody else is doing it for. And you know the guy cannot do that job at that price. And he is just going to screw up the industry for everybody. And poof, they go out of business and away they go. And the rest have to hold the bag. And he said, thank God for general contractors that understand when they open up that tender. And that price is 40% of what everybody else is. They're smart enough to look at it and go, hmm, no, we're not doing that because we know the guy can't do it, and he's going to end up blowing up, and then our construction job goes out the window. You know, there's a lot to be said about that. And in this industry, there is a lot of animosity. There is a lot of politics. There is a lot of backstabbing. There is a lot of, I don't want him getting ahead of me, even though uh, it's not about getting ahead. It's about building the industry and doing it smart, yep. like just doing it collectively. And it drives me nuts. At times, it drives me nuts. The older I get, the nuttier it makes me, yep. and the more vocal I get. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you look at uh, at the overall landscape of, of professional motorsports down to the grassroots level, the grassroots level, it seems like the, the main – competition if you will the main business competition 
isn't amongst the drivers. It's not about the sponsors that are on the car. It's not about the, you know, the the parts and pieces. It's it's more so about the the tracks and the drivers coming up with a package that aligns with everybody that's in the sport. Yeah. And you know, it on the professional side of things, it's the sponsors, it's the parts and pieces, and it's the personnel that work on the teams, right? So, um there's there's you know big differences between the two but still they both put handcuffs on the stakeholders that are in the sport from saying certain things huh. you know and, yeah, and yeah. You gag know, orders are huge oh they are and, and, and that's so stupid there's there's a lot there is no gag when, order on this channel i can tell you that there right is now. no How? no there, oh, tell, there is tell me somebody i would not talk about Tell me someone that I would not invite on this show. No, no, no. And you would invite them on the show. And But there's certain things that, that you can't talk about, you can't definitely mention within some, uh, you know, uh, uh, interview fragments. You can't. You can't put a spotlight on absolutely everything that is good or bad in the sport. Well, you, you can't you can't look me in the eye and say that you would talk about or do anything within within the industry that would hurt the sport. No, I wouldn't. You're right. I wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. But there isn't anybody that I would not invite on this show and cor- share national air n- with. That's no hundred percent. No but one. The other and let person, them say what they like. Yeah, but the other person is nine times out of ten yeah. is going to withhold some information. Ah. Yeah, because they don't want to expose, you know, a trade something secret? else. No, they don't want to expose something else, and they don't want uh. to expose themselves to, uh, you know, uh, whether it be uh, spreading ne- negative uh, messaging or uh. or or. You well, know. then don't create it to start with. No, that's what that's what it all comes my down point. To. You're missing my point. Well, we'll get there's, to your point no, in a bit because we got the orange going up here ready. Okay, yeah, but the politics in the sport, <laughs> yeah. is is a huge is a huge issue, and the the root of why I'm talking about it and the root of why I brought it up is because yeah. this Twitter account. Yeah, the orange cone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, has the ability to say things that media outlets can't. Right, and or or drivers can't, or crew members can't. That they're all thinking. That they're all thinking. <laughs> that they're all that they're all knowing. Yeah, but but a a, a parody account, a however you want to put it. Yeah, uh, has the ability to do that, and and that's what I love about there's there's a bunch of them, you know, within the sport. Um, and, and there, it, it is so crucial and so needed yeah. and, uh, and, uh, you know, hats off to, to you, Orange Cone, who's now on the hotline, um, you know, for, for being able to, uh, to, to identify that need back in the day and running with it from, from then on till now. Well, it sure was a lot of fun and it still is a lot of fun, isn't it? hundred <laughs> percent it is. It is. Uh, it, it, tell me something. Do you ever put a post out knowing that it's going to ignite a pile of things or a particular segment of the sport and you go, but I got to do it. I'm the orange cone. I got to do it. And then you put uh, it out there and they go ballistic. I absolutely have. Uh, I maybe don't do that as much as I, I once did, Joe. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, back in the day when when the Orange Cone account was was truly uh, rocking and rolling, I absolutely would would post stuff up just to get a re- the, the, it, 
the desired reaction. Um, you know, if, if, you know, we were sitting there in, in 2014 and Brad Keselowski and Kevin Harvick and Jeff Gordon were rolling and in, in wrestling down on pit road at Texas Motor Speedway, I absolutely uh, would have posted things just to uh, get a response. Uh, pro- if not from the drivers involved, then certainly from their fans. Yeah, there's, that's an absolute positive. Well, I know. I've followed you for a long time, and I always, 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 uh, when I notice a post, I either get a chuckle or I go, ooh, look at this one. <laughs> and, or I look at it and go, yep, yep, Cone, you're right. Uh, you're right on the money here. Today, I, I took a look at one today. And it was uh, talking about Homestead Miami Speedway. If you want to see side-by-side action all race long, you're not going to get it right here. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and that's I get a little frustrated because, you know, there are, are a lot of people who comment on the sport that I, I guess they expect that it's going to be two and three wide, you know, all 267 laps. And that's just not a realistic expectation. I mean, Maybe at Daytona and Talladega, but you know every other racetrack we go to, you know you're not in the draft, and handling comes into play, and tire wear comes into play, and yeah, there's going to be times where you know you've got a race where Kyle Larson has a nine second lead. That doesn't mean it's not a great race behind him. I mean, I would like it if if the broadcast partners were able to you know show you some of the action that was going on behind that nine second lead, and I think today. NBC was able to do some of that. You know, there was a lot of three and four wide racing back in the pack. And look, I get it. A nine second lead maybe isn't the most exciting, but you know, there's 40 cars or 36 cars in a race, you know, just because one of them has driven off into the distance doesn't mean that there's not something else that you can keep your eyes on. Well, I can tell you, AJ and Ross were not racing as if they were teammates today. AJ wanted that spot, and Ross did not want to give it up. It was great racing when they were focused in on that. Right, and, and you know, when you make that comment at lap 100 of a 267-lap race, you know, I, I think you're you're making the assumption that the final, you know, the final dash to the finish is going to be boring, and it, it was anything but boring today. I mean, I, I don't think anybody was surprised to see Kyle Larson win, but he certainly had to work for it those last forty or fifty laps, didn't he? I mean, it, you always know in a NASCAR race, very very rarely do you have a race where it, it's going to go green to the finish, and and the guy who is leading by ten seconds wins by 10 seconds you know you knew there was going to be a caution uh in and there was you know and, and it was a legit deal you know there there was an incident on the racetrack that set it up and and yeah larson had to had to race to win and then you, you throw in that pit incident with with truex and and now you've got controversy uh, you know so you're, you're telling me you've got this boring this race was so boring well i saw a, a the driver who won had to work his rear end off for 50 laps and oh by the way he got into the leader on pit road, <laughs> and now you know all we're talking about is this pit road incident. So any, anything but boring, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're the the first hundred laps or so, the first stage and a half maybe without drama. Sure, they were, but that's that's how the stage racing is. You you always expect the first stage to be, you know, kind of let's log some laps and. You know, then the pitch strategy starts to come into play, and then you know, by the time you get to the final stage, that's when they start to really race, and that's when you start to see things happen. 
with practice being so short now, um, you know, they don't get, you know, five times on the racetrack now. They get a, they get a short window. Um, the first, you know, the first uh, stage has basically became, you know, a, a larger practice session, if you will, right? It's, they're, not changing, they're not changing a whole lot underneath the, uh, un- underneath the car, uh, but, but they use it as a, as a big practice session to get it set up, to get it adjusted for, for the second and third uh, stage, if you will. Um, I, it, I think it back, seems that way, yeah. I, I think back to uh, earlier on in the year, I'm going to say July, I've probably watched three MLB baseball games in in uh, the the past four years. I've probably watched three of them, mm. and I turned three one more on. More than me, exactly. <laughs> so I turned one on though, and uh, uh, it was the Blue Jays and the Red Sox, and it was the Blue Jays trounced them twenty eight to five. It was a huge score. Ah, it's a good game. It was so boring. That's a good game. It was so boring. I love it. It was Blue the Jays. most boring thing I've ever watched in my You're a life. Blue Jays fan, that's a great game. I, absolutely. <laughs> I live two hours away from the Blue Jays Stadium. And and I should have been super excited. I was bored out of my mind. But all of the you know the media outlets and everybody you know applauded this huge score that the blue jays put up and and you know ran away with a game completely you know unchallenged if you will um and you look at motorsports and the second somebody does that it is like for 50% of the fans the worst thing ever and I look oh, at that. Right. Their driver's not out front, boy. Even if they don't have a driver, it's it's not celebrated when somebody goes out there. When I go to a super late model race, when I go to a pro late model race, and I see somebody lead every single lap, drive away with it, I love that. It is so cool to watch somebody wax everybody, and that's part of racing. Now, do I love it when two guys come across the start finish line banging doors, smoke coming off the tires, and you can't tell who won? Uh, absolutely, I love that. That's part of the sport. But I equally love seeing a guy go out there, trounce the field, and and you know be completely unchallenged, lay down the race of his life, and and race you know and, and race off into the sunset, holding the checkered flag. That is cool as hell to me too. And and I wonder why and and how the sport got to where it is, uh, where the fans don't still cherish that. It's it's actually kind of a mystery to me uh, as well because I'll tell you what w- w- remember in the old Indy Racing League days uh, when they would go to Kansas yep. and Chicago Land and you would see those three wide finishes and they were you know the the, the distance between first and third was literally you know eight thousandths of a second you know they were measuring the the margin of victory in ten one thousandths of yep. a second yep. and the first time you saw it you were like. <laughs> I cannot believe what I just saw. Right. You know, and the second time you saw it, you were like, oh, wow, like that's that's amazing. And then the tenth time you saw it, you were like, okay, like I've seen this before. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and I think the problem that we have is we've been so accustomed to seeing really good close races. And that's, trust me, that's not, that's not a horrible thing by any stretch. No. You know, the, the one thing that I think that we have forgotten is that what makes something exciting is the fact that it's out of the ordinary and and when it's out of the you know that when it's out of the ordinary that means the ordinary is just average you know and and, hey i I, i'm like you guys i could go to a a race 
And if the guy out front is 10 seconds out front, A, I'm happy for him. He's doing what he's there to do. That's his job. Right. But I'm, I'm going to look around and, and find something that keeps my interest. You know, maybe the battle for, you know, seventh and eighth is, is really, really good. And those guys are knocking fenders and, you know, having a great day. But, you know, I, I think what we as a, an audience and a fan base have forgotten is that, yeah, what, what makes something great is the fact that it doesn't happen all the time. Well, you I, know, and I'm, I, 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 I hate the fact that we got to this point where, we have have tried to to have a game seven moment in every race because when you have one in every race, then it it's not a game seven moment. Exactly, <laughs> that's you true. Know? That's true. Yeah, I, I think what makes those game seven moments is there are 162 games that lead up to it. Yep. You know, and then there's you know you only get one game seven a year in theory, and and that's why it's special, and that's why it's. You know, everything is on the line in that game seven. You know, so, so I think, you know, it, it's really hard to put that toothpaste back in the tube. And, and hey, I, I'll give all of the racing sanctioning bodies a lot of credit that they ha- they do. They try to make sure that these races are entertaining to watch and, and they want to make sure that the cars are close because uh, realistically, no one wants to see somebody win by a lap. I mean, yeah, it's, it's an impressive performance, but, you know, these, the broadcasts are still supported by advertisers and commercials. And when someone's that far up ahead, you know, they, they can hear those remote controls clicking to another channel. So, oh, yeah. you know, it, it's a tough, it, you know, you have to balance the entertainment with the competition and, and it's, it's a constant struggle. But, you know, I, I wish that the audience understood that what does make a great race is the fact that there are 10 of them right before that that might just be average. You know, that's what makes it great. We're with the Orange Cone tonight right here on Race Time Radio. You can follow along on Twitter, the Orange Cone. Check it out on Twitter. Uh, Always a lot of fun. Uh, Cone, we can't have Daytona every Saturday or every Sunday when we turn the TV on, but I can tell you, I never miss a Daytona race and I never miss a Talladega race. Uh, Some of the other ones I watched today... I loved it, but I never miss a Daytona or Talladega. I'm one of those guys, and there's a, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand people that'll say, nah, I don't like plate racing, it's garbage, but I bet you they're always watching it. Isn't that weird how all the people who say they don't like it always know exactly what happens in those (laughs) races? (laughs) I always think that's funny. You know, look, I think that's what any type of motorsport, whether it's, uh, the World Outlaw Sprint Cars, or IndyCar, or even the NHRA, or NASCAR, or IMSA, or anything. What makes them so special to me is that you don't get the same thing each and every week. You know, the Outlaws go to 90 different racetracks, and NASCAR goes to, you know, a, a different racetrack every week. And, you know, the IndyCars go, you know, to 20 different racetracks all over the, the country, too. And, and you're going to get something different every week. And if you don't, if you're not a fan of, restrictor plate style racing at Daytona and Talladega. Okay, I get that. You know, then you've got, you know, Homestead. Then you've got Martinsville and Bristol and, and Richmond, you know. There, there certainly are racetracks out there that, you know, maybe aren't my number one favorite, but I, I still watch. I want to see what happens. You know, it, it's like watching the soap operas. You know, you, you want to see yeah. what's going to happen, yeah. you know, the very next episode. That's how they that's how they get you. They reel you in, and, and you want to see what happens next. And, yeah. 
you know, regardless of the competition on the racetrack, there are all those storylines that you want to follow. You know, you know, you want to see what's what's Denny going to do with Ross Chastain. You know, what's you know what it, what's Kyle Larson going to do next? You know, what is Blaney going to get up there and steal a win? You know, is he, is he going to win the championship without winning a race? You know, there's so many great storylines that you got to follow and pay attention to. And you know, yeah, I, I get it. You know, some sometimes the races aren't nail biters. You know, I'm going to watch anyhow. I'm, I'm one of those guys. I'm going to watch regardless. And, you know, I, I, I do. I wish that, you know, I, I think all sports broadcasting, you know, is tough. It really is. To, to show all of the action that is happening it is really, really tough. I wish the fans would understand that, you know, that, that they are. They're doing the very best that they can. And, and you know, it, people don't want to watch the battle for 23rd when they're sitting on their couch. They just don't. 23rd is not a relevant position on the racetrack. It might be the best race on the racetrack, exactly. but it's not a relevant position on the racetrack. So they're going to show you the top 10 cars. And, you know, if the, if the cars up in the top 10 aren't running, you know, really close to one another, then, you know, it's, it makes it tough for those guys too. So, yeah, yeah sometimes you just Good. have it. And, you know, when that happens, then you start paying attention to Twitter and wise guys like me. <laughs> well, good on Steve Letarte today. He focused in a little bit, a little bit on Corey LaJoy. I seen the seven anyway on the broadcast for a quick couple right. of seconds. So that was cool to see. Cone, where are you next weekend? Are you going to be uh, sitting on a road somewhere? Are you going to be on a pit road? Whereabouts are you next weekend? Oh, I weekend? wish I was out on pit road. I, my next race is going to be uh, Arca West at Phoenix. I'm looking forward to that one uh, championship weekend out there. So um, that's going to be a, it's going to be a good one. The Arca series has had a pretty good solid year, and uh, I'll tell you guys, keep an eye out for this kid Jake Drew. He is a, he's a pretty solid little race car driver. I know uh, sometimes those guys out west don't get the uh, the media coverage that, that some of the folks down in the southeast get, but uh, Jake Drew is the real deal, and and I think there's there's a, a pretty good entry list for that race. So. Uh, Keep your eyes on that one, guys. Okay, we will do that. Uh, we got Nick Montre coming up next. You know Nick. Hey, tell Nick I said hello. Nick's a good dude. He is a, He is a, <laughs> actually, believe it or not, from the same hometown I am from. How really? About that? Yeah, that's cool. So did you guys grow up so, together? We we didn't grow up together, but we grew up uh, pretty close to the same neighborhood. How Nick, about that? Nick, did you, Nick uh, just did, got older. He never grew up. Did Nick wear you? <laughs> did Nick wear you as a school in school? Uh, I don't know what school he went to, but we grew up maybe less than a half mile away from one another. Isn't that? Isn't that? Well, Nikki's coming up next if we leave him enough time. Cone, this has been great. Thanks so much for the time tonight. It won't be so long. The next time we get you back on here, and we're going to reserve a little more time because we got lots to talk Let's about with it. you. I, I always enjoy talking to you guys, Joe. Joe, it's been great talking to you, and uh, y'all be well. Send, you, send, send a package. You. Send a package of In and Out when you go to Pahinix. You got it. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> that's guys, that's the Orange Cone. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, see if you can find out who he is. The Orange Cone. You got to follow really, him on Twitter. It's not really a, like a like a closely guarded secret anymore. I no, mean, I know. I'm not going to say it. It is here. I'm not going to say it, though. Uh, we got to hit this break, and then Nick Moncher. We're only going to end up with like six, seven minutes with uh, the National Marketing Director for Hoosier Tire, but we're going to have him on the other side of the break. Stay with us. Poor pitiful me Roaming through them trees Won't you help me out In the north country 
From coast to coast, 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 to coast you're listening to Canada Talks. To Canada Talks. Race Dive Radio is brought to you by the Quality Inn, Halifax Airport, the official stay of the Race Time Radio broadcast crew, also by the Wooden Door Bistro. Even though Napa is a nationally known name, nearly all of our stores are built from the ground up by local owners and families. People you might call neighbors will be here, there, and everywhere. Doing what neighbors do to keep their communities moving forward. You stop by a Napa Auto Parts store, you can count on Napa know-how. Now, a flashback in Canadian music history. Here's Eric Elford. Tom Cochran's most famous song, Life is a Highway, was a number one hit in Canada, and it hit the top ten in the Billboard charts back in 1992. It was written after Tom's famine relief work overseas took place. He was so taken with what was happening there, he wrote it as a pick-me-up to himself after watching the devastation. That's why he mentioned places in the song like Khyber Pass, along with his hometown of Vancouver. Canadian Sports Trivia, here's Joe Thistle. During the 2000 NBA All-Star festivities, the Toronto Raptors' Vince Carter exploded to win the dunk contest with a series of moves including a through-the-leg slam. Carter's air show was a defining moment for basketball in Canada, putting the Raptors and the entire country on the map. A championship now in the books, Canada has become a hotbed for NBA talent. And it was Vince Carter flying through the air that started it all. Canadian Sports Trivia. Tonight's Race Time Radio is brought to you by Napa Auto Parts Stores, Port Hawkesbury, New Glasgow, and Indiganish, Nova Scotia. Drivers, start your engines! Welcome back to the track, live on Race Time Radio, Sirius XM 167. Well said, Andy. Well, well said. All live tonight on Sirius XM Channel 167, Canada Talks. Also on our new YouTube channel, Race Time Radio TV, live on RacetimeRadio.com. And don't forget to listen on to the Performance Motorsport Network.com. Uh, Steele does a great job re-airing Race Time Radio a bunch of times down south of us. Uh, just in case you happen to have missed it, you'll be able to tune in throughout the course of the week on the Performance Motorsport Network.com. But... Let's get back to the hotline, shall we? And welcome in a good friend of Race Time Radio, a guy that uh, got his feet wet, and probably he is totally entrenched now in everything purple. Hoosier Tire is uh, who he works for, and he is the marketing world director. we got Nick Monsher with us on the hotline. What's going on, Nicky? How are you? Hey, Joe. How are you? Good. Congratulations on your wed. You have now got a bride. The pressure is on now to perform, Nicholas. Exactly. The pressure's on. She <laughs> will not let me forget. Well, we're just at the one-month mark, actually, tomorrow. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Uh, good, good for you, guys. Um, I, I know one day we will celebrate it, Nick. Um, and uh, just, just incredible. We just had the orange coat on. He said, make sure you say hi to Nick for me you guys grew up in the same town yeah we did uh and i I got to meet him several years later (laughs) (laughs) yeah several years later now is it anywhere close to hoosier indiana is that where the hoosier tire company is no hoosier's world headquarters actually in lakeville indiana um and then probably about 20 minutes south in plymouth indiana is where we actually make all the tires 
Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was all under one roof, but you guys have nope. grown so much, you got two roofs. Yep, so back in the day, the Newtons, uh, they had a, added a second building there in Plymouth, and then uh, they segmented it. So Plymouth is where everything is made, and then everything gets shipped to Cure and be stored in Lakeville at our warehouses, and that's also where our corporate headquarters is. That's cool, Nick. That's real cool. So you have been the marketing director now for, what, a couple of months. Uh, you got your feet wet. You're getting to know your way around. Uh, give us a state of the union, if you will. I know it's been a tough year. Uh, tire conservation meant everything on the track and off the track. So a uh, lot, lot of teams, and it didn't matter the manufacturer. So it's not just you guys. It was everybody. Um, give us a state of the union. How is it? Uh, is, is the effects of COVID and the effects of that chemical plant that blew up and all the other stuff that happened like over a year ago, is it starting to come back? that we are going to be okay for tires, or what's the state? Yeah, everything, all the above that you just mentioned, that was all effect, and then you sprinkle in the uh, the economy and, and, you know, the employment pool shrinking every day, and, you know, we, of course, need to grow our employee pool every day. Um, but as, as of now, you know, as our forecast for 2023, they look about the same as 22. Um, we're still going to be, you know, have to allocate tires. We're still going to have to, you know, watch where the tires go and, you know, limit tires just purely for the fact of, of all the things that you mentioned. You know, we're every, just like everybody else, we're still reeling from all that. Um, everything's getting better, but it's just very slow going of it. And, you know, we need to, to really gain some, some new employees into our different segments there in the factory. And, uh, you know, we, we're actually just starting a weekend shift where we can actually, you know, hopefully – run Saturday and Sunday around the clock as well, so we can try to alleviate that, but it's still going to be still going to be crazy next year, uh, just just way that everything's going to work, but we have some other things that we're working on, like the new national late model tire for dirt that we just announced a couple weeks ago where we're going to consolidate a lot of our dirt late model tires down to just six offerings, so that'll help us as well, so we'll be able to pump out more of those tires because we won't have to change the the mold over so often. We won't spend so much time doing that. So there's a lot of things like that that we're trying to do to, to really, you know, push push the uh, quantity of tires through. So hopefully we'll be able to get some more. But yeah, as of right now, it looks it's going to be pretty close to 2022. Inventive is what uh, you, you got to be. And I know, Nick, that would fit you like a glove coming up with different ways to make things better as opposed to, uh, you know, running the same line. Uh, uh, everybody's in the same sort of boat, uh, but it, it is going to be inventive thinking like you're doing where you're consolidating. Is there a method for that on the asphalt side? Are you guys in better shape for 10-inch tires, a certain number? Are you better for 8-inch? Because I know you guys make an 8-inch slick, too. Um, is there something there where, uh, you know, the same type of method could be used, or have you looked at that just yet? Yeah, our R&D department works on, on those kind of things every day. You know, they're always trying to find ways that they can streamline a process, they can streamline a tire build, you know, they can consolidate like they did with the National Aid Model Tire. So and it, it's across all of our, our segments. You know, we, we make a thousand plus different tires. So, um, you know, any way that we can kind of narrow that gap down to kind of help ourselves produce more tires to help the racers, you know, have those tires at the racetrack is really kind of our end goal to kind of get everybody, you know, over this 
just crazy hump that we're in um, of the lack of, of tires and, you know, try to do our part there. So I know our R&D team's working on a lot of different things, um, and, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out any way that we can to get more tires out into the distributor's hands and, and into the racetrack and the driver's hands. Nick, uh, obviously you made the transition. This has got to be real quick because we're coming up on the top of the hour. But uh, you made the transition working in the sport for for teams on the competition side. Now you've transitioned to a company that uh, that supports the competition side but is not on the competition side. How has that transition been, and, and uh, are you happy with the move? Yeah, it's been good. Uh, I mean, it's totally different. You know, it's a totally different world and, and beast. To tackle and uh, but it's been a lot of fun and you know there's a lot of corporate ongoings that you have to kind of get used to that probably didn't have have to do so much in the racing element uh, the team side but um, it's been fun to be part of it and to really you know kind of have a say in things and, and try to give my opinion as a racer as someone that's been in the trenches and been in the garage areas and and that I think that's that it's kind of that the bouncing block for them because you know some of these people they don't they, they're great business people, but they don't know racing. So, you know, it's, there's a couple of us like that. It's kind of a yin and yang for, for our, our executive room, and it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be dynamite to see how things work out. Nick, if anybody can pull this together, I know who's your tire, Ken. Uh, it, the key would be order early, right? <laughs> yep, get to your distributors and, and you know, and forecast as, as best as you can, you know, for all the, the, the different series and the tracks, you know. Get the, your your forecast for twenty three to to your local distributor, and and really put in the best of, to your ability, so we can get you know that into our system overall and kind of figure it all out. And you got a better opportunity if if they do get that to the distributor, can they get a forecast uh, or a reply saying, "Yep, you're going to be okay for tires. Here's your allotment dates," or are they going to be able to say, "Let's point and pray"? Uh, no, I mean the distributor will be able to to tell them if they made it into to their forecast, and then if you know we're going to fulfill the distributor's forecast in that well that way. I mean, obviously everything changes daily, and you know things can happen. But for the most part, if if you get your stuff to your distributor and you're one of their longstanding customers, you know they're going to do their best to get you as much of it as they can, and then they'll send it to us. You know, we just build and we work hand in hand with our distributors every day to put into a, an inventory. So. It's not like, you know, we're just kind of guessing at it. We're working directly with each one of them every day. Absolutely. Nick, this has been great. We've got to throw the keys back to Sirius XM. Uh, blame Orange Cone. You would have had more time had we got uh, the cone on earlier. But uh, Not surprising at all. He loves to talk. Yeah, he sure does, and he dynamite at it. Uh, and Junior forgot to cover up that thing behind him. Uh, so we got to get some purple in this studio, Nick. Uh, but I oh, digress. You take it easy. Keep doing what you're doing, Nick, because you're making a difference. And uh, we love our Hoosier Tires here. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. You betcha. Nick Moncher, he is the marketing director for Hoosier Tire World. So sounds like that's a pretty cool way, Junior, putting stuff together. I never even thought of that. That's a good idea. 
Yeah, definitely. It is a good idea, and it will be a game changer. It's no different than uh, everything else with COVID. A lot of a lot of ingenuity had to come out of this deal, and uh, still yet to come. There's going to be big, major changes that that we see into yeah. the motorsports world into into the future, um, in their direct changes from uh, this time period. So try I and build a be... house these days. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Good exactly. luck, Junior. You have a good time down there yes. seeing. Uh, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Yeah, yeah. I want to get an update on that when you get back. But uh, that is going to do it for us tonight, all live on Race Time Radio. Got to thank Susie Q right here in the Race Time Radio studio for hooking us up with all our guests. Of course, our guys back in the Toronto studios and the Washington studios for Sirius XM. And thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe if you're on our YouTube channel. We really do appreciate it. Have a good one, everybody. We, I, will be back. Next Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Look forward to it. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to Race Time Radio. Visit us on the web at www.racetimeradio.com. We hope you'll join us again next time for more Race Time Radio. Come on now, dig, dig, dig. Exclusively on your home for the hardcore race fan. Excellent, buddy, excellent.